This is about identity, who we are in Christ. So I want to talk to you this morning about who you are in Christ. Okay? Someone just, just ask me this question. Who am I in Christ? Oh, good. I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you. All right. Who are you in Christ? Tell me a story, Dr. Nichols. Like if you, I can't wait to have Dr. Nichols here on the last Saturday because he's always like, tell me a story. And we all have to repeat that. It's a lot of fun. Okay. We're going to talk about angels and demons and demon possession and all the fun, fun stuff that Christians don't like to talk about. We're going to talk about all of it, right? It's good stuff. I would suspect that this year we're going to see more and more of that as time goes on, right? So buckle up. So who are you? Who are you in Christ? I believe more than ever that we are in an identity crisis in America. Do you believe that? We're in identity crisis in America. It's one of the things that I believe the enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy amongst believers and in our country is who we are. Let's just leave Christianity out of it for a second. We can clearly and honestly say here this morning just amongst us people that there is a lot of confusion going on in the world right now, isn't there? of who's what, who's doing what, who's here, who's there. There's, there's, there's all kinds of things going on behind the scenes. There's all kinds of stuff taking place. We don't know what's happening, right? And therefore, I believe the enemy has a foothold, if you will, right? Our job is to not give him that foothold, but I believe the enemy does have a small foothold in America of the identity of who we are in Christ, Make no mistake about it. We are founded on the principles and the word of God. Amen? Amen. We are founded upon that. And the enemy knows that. And he's trying to take that away from us. But we are not going to allow that to happen. This isn't a us versus them message. No, this is figuring out who we are in Christ. It's not. It's never about us versus anybody. Okay? But it's always about how am I loving my neighbor as myself? How am I loving those people that do not like me, my enemy, as I love Jesus. That's what it's all about. So the word identity in your dictionary says who someone is. The name of a person, this is the definition of it. The qualities, beliefs that make a particular person or group different from others. And the word crisis in our dictionaries, in our Merriam-Webster dictionaries, crisis means a difficult or dangerous situation that needs serious attention. So there is a difficult situation that needs our attention in America that is trying to strip away the name of Jesus in our hearts and our lives in this country. So why this crisis? There's a number of reasons that we're going to unpack today, but I believe that most of all, we have a crisis in America is because people believe they are someone they were not created to be. They believe they're someone they're not created to be. Whatever that is, you fill in the blank. There's all kinds of stuff. But if God did not create you to be that way, guess what? You're not that way. We've actually believed the lie that the enemy threw in our pathway and developed us, nurtured us in that lie so we can believe actually something different than who Christ calls us to be. Listen, there should not be a thought in my mind that the Father does not have in his mind about me. Come on, somebody. There should not be a thought in my mind that the Father, Jesus, 
does not have in his mind about me. And that is an identity crisis because what we're doing is we're actually believing everything and everyone else of what they say about us rather than simply stating ourselves in the word of God and on his word, his spoken word over our hearts and over our lives. I believe there's a crisis because most people want to escape reality. Want to escape reality of situations to avoid any kind of conflict. Look, I'm, I'm interested in this. I'm interested to see how this is going to unfold because you know, whatever we believe about this is whatever, but there is, uh, there is something about this whole metaverse idea, right? And I'm not here to talk bad about this or nothing like that. That's not my intention. But if we don't learn who we are in him, technology will tell us who we are. And we'll begin to develop this alter ego, if you will, trying to escape reality when really we should face. You want to know how to grow? You want to know how to really grow as a mature person in Christ is not to avoid conflict, but, but, but go head on, on, head on with it and learn how to love somebody through your conflict, through your disagreements. There's people in this room right now that have different opinions about everything. But what matters is this, is how is the world going to know that Jesus is alive at River of Life and in your heart is if we learn to love each other despite the opinions and the thoughts that we have about certain topics. We have to learn not to be shaped by the things and the culture of the world trying to tell us how to, how to be shaped and how to think about certain things. Amen? And this whole idea of escaping reality to avoid any kind of conflict, just being around people who only want to be around you. It's not the healthiest thing for any individual. Another thing I think about crisis in America is abortion. Now you have to hear what I'm saying and please hear me with your heart. That this church loves you no matter what has gone on in your life. The people, the people not just this building, but the people in this church, loves you, no matter what it is that's happened with you. Amen? No matter what's happened. But the whole idea to think that abortion's okay, it's not okay. Thanks, three people. I appreciate that. The idea that abortion's okay is not okay. That's better. Thanks. Perfect opportunity for you to agree with that. What's even worse about this is that there's churches right now across America who are saying that it's okay to have abortions. They're actually preaching that from the pulpit. They're preaching. Trust me, I heard it. <laughs> and these so-called woke churches where they would just want to not really live by the word of God. Hear what I'm saying to you. You have to hear me with your heart on this. Okay. If something like that to you has happened, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We don't look at anybody and judge anyone for anything. But let me tell you, abortion is not okay and it's not right. And to be honest with you, it is unrighteous. We cannot align ourselves with what culture is trying to tell us what is acceptable and what's not acceptable. We can't do it because 
we'll never really truly understand who we are if we do not value life in the womb. Again, this isn't, I, I don't even know why this is a political thing. Because it shouldn't be. This is between life and death. This isn't political. This isn't an abortion speech either. But what this is about is why I believe that there's an identity crisis in America today. See, the crisis amongst our kids and amongst our students is that they're being challenged and they're being conditioned to think what right is wrong and wrong is right. This has nothing to do with the left and right issue. It has everything to do with sin and righteousness. And I know that's a bold statement and I know that that's strong. But there is nothing in the word of God. There is no gray area. It's black, white. This is how it is. Jesus values life so much that he values you. He values your life. So as this culture is vying for our attention of what we should believe in, we truly, us as believers more than anything, we have to know what the word says about us and how Jesus sees us, amen? We have to know who we are in Christ. Who are you in Christ? Turn to the person next to you and ask them, who are you? <laughs> who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Number one, you were created on purpose for purpose. You were created on purpose for purpose. Amen. Psalms chapter 139 verses 13 through 14 says this, for you formed me in my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give you thanks to you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I am fearfully and wonderfully created. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. I suggest to you this morning that God knows you. God knows you because he created you. He created you. The value of life has to begin with creation, has to begin with the thought and the revelation that Jesus took his time on you. Amen. That you're not an accident. Amen. That you're not somebody here who's accidentally born, right? Even if your parents might say that you were, you're not. <laughs> you were a whoopsie baby. <laughs> oh, Jesus, I'm, I'm about ready to like, any day I just go, oh, I can be a grandparent. It's just so crazy to me. Seriously, man. My son is married. Jesus help them. <laughs> but I'd be a good grandpa though, right? You want some candy? <laughs> <laughs> God knows you. He created you. And if we don't start at this point right now, we'll never really truly understand the value that we have in life. Like you were created on purpose 
for purpose. There is no accidents when it comes to the time that it took Jesus to form you inside your mother's womb. There's no accident to it. He crafted your personality exactly the way that you were supposed to be born. He crafted your gender exactly the way how you were supposed to be born. He crafted exactly the way you would think through conflicts and think through resolutions. He crafted that inside of you. He took his time. He meticulously went inside and he formed everything about you. You are his, amen? You're his. See, if we don't believe that we are created by God who carefully handcrafted our personalities, who put, us, who put thought into how the original way we would respond to adversary, how you would smile, and the things that make you genuinely laugh, if it doesn't start at creation, we will always have a part of our hearts that will wonder and be somewhat apprehensive to the thoughts that God thinks about us. God thinks of you as a mighty man and woman of God. He thinks of you as someone who is very special. Let me tell you that he is proud to be called your God. He's proud to be called your God because of you. One of the coolest stories that I ever encountered was with a gentleman when I did my internship in Fresno, California. I was in school, I was in master's commission and I uh, had to do an internship for 30 days. Went to this church by a pastor by the name of Pastor Jim Franklin. Great church. And I remember doing a, a low rider ministry when I was there. It was awesome, man. Hit the switch. Okay, that's my inside gangster coming out. Don't, don't judge me. I wanted to get a tattoo in my neck. Coolest thing ever. Coolest experiences of my life. But one of the, one of the craziest things that I ever encountered, I was 19 years old, 20 years old, and I'm in Fresno, California, and we went on a men's group a men's retreat. And uh, I had the opportunity to, 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 to teach one of the sessions in this men's retreat. And uh, it was really great. And I kept noticing this guy that was sitting there. And I was like, man, there's something different about that guy. You know, I didn't know that he had to teach a session as well. And um, he got up to teach his session. And he said, he said, I want everyone to know here that I look different from you but I'm not different than you at a men's, men's retreat. He said, I actually transitioned to a full, complete woman. He did all the proper surgeries for that to happen. He believed from his heart that he was not a man, but he believed that he was a woman. He was attracted. He had a same-sex attraction, as I say, to people, to the opposite sex, or to the same sex, sorry. And he, he did all of it. He lived that life as a transgender woman or transgender man, excuse me. And he uh, was in his bedroom and the Lord came to him and says, you're not this. I did not create you this way. And so he's beginning to share his story. I mean, he had everything that you would think of a woman would have 
And it was the craziest thing hearing this gentleman talk about his experience. Talk about his experience of what happened to him. And he's like, thank God for this church who loved and accepted me for who I was, who did not come against me, who did not bash me. It's because of that's the reason why that I can truly say that I am saved and I am different. And he was actually having a reversal of everything that took place with him. And this is what he said. And it struck my heart. This is what he said. He said, the reason why that I didn't think that I was a man is because I didn't believe I was born that way until Jesus showed me who I really was. So let me just tell you this morning and offer this suggestion to you. Jesus will always overcome the lie in our hearts about who we think we are. He is more powerful than the lies spoken over our hearts and our lives. He is more truthful and honest than anything if we allow Jesus to heal us if we allow Jesus to come inside of our hearts, he will transform you back into the original place in your heart, the way you think, in your mind, right, of how he created you to be. How he created you to be. And we have to start at creation. If we don't believe we're created, like I said, we will never understand the purpose that God has for us here on this earth. There's so many people especially over the last couple of years that have taken their own life because they feel they don't have no purpose. I want you to know this morning that if the lie has been swirling around in your mind that that might be an option for you, I want you to know that there's purpose for you, that there's hope for you. I don't know everyone's story in this room. All I know is this, is that the enemy seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. The Bible says that he's roaming around this world like a roaring lion, seeking whom it may devour. You know what that roar sounds like? It sounds like this. Hey, psst. You're not as great as you think you are. Oh, man, look at all the stuff happening in your life right now. Jesus must not love you. The roar sounds like a whisper in your ear. And God wants you to silence the roar in your ear and listen to the lion of the tribe of Judah singing over you. <laughs> Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 says this, for we are his workmanship. That word workmanship in the Greek means poem. It's actually the key word poema. For we are God's poema. We are his poem created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that you and I would walk in them. You were created on purpose for a purpose. Amen? Amen. Number two, you are redeemed. Who are you? Say with me. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Man, you are redeemed. You are redeemed. Ephesians chapter one, seven through nine says this. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. I love that word lavished. Which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him. You are redeemed. Christ paid a price to get you back. 
The word redeemed means in your dictionary means to buy back, to repurchase, to get or to win back, to free from captivity by payment of ransom. I love that. To release from blame or debt. To free from the consequences of sin. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that he became sin. He didn't just die for your sin. He became the sin that you so struggle with. He became those things. And I'm talking about all of the sin, not just a little bit, not just a little of this. No, he became all your sin. He became all my sin. The next time you're tempted by the enemy towards a sin, guess what? He purchased that sin. He made it zeroed out. The balance is no longer there. So that way you don't have to live in the, in the grips, in the, in, the, in, the, in the grips of sin any longer. That you are redeemed if you come to Jesus Christ. If you make him your Lord and your Savior and you say yes and amen, I know I need you, Jesus. He then purchased you by his blood. You are set free. You're set free. You're redeemed from the grip of sin and death over your life. You see, when he was nailed to the cross and he died, three days later, he rose from the grave. You know, I found this really interesting in some Jewish customs. They believe that the soul actually takes a three-day rest. Then after the three days, you're declared dead. Jesus literally defeated death, hell, and the grave. But most of us don't believe that. We don't believe that we're free from sin. We don't believe. We think we're always going to be a struggling saint. I'm just a sinner. I'm always going to sin. Really? Because that's not who you are. Does God call you a sinner? And call you a sinner? You are not that person anymore. When you came to Jesus, you became brand new. See, if you believe, you will not be free from sin until you die. You've just made death your savior instead of Jesus. Let me say that again. If you believe you will not be free from sin until you die, you've just made death your savior instead of Jesus. You're not that person no more. Uh-uh. No, because when you came to Jesus, guess what? The same exact thing happened to Jesus as it did to you. See, when you came to Jesus and you finally recognized, and I finally recognized, and I said, man, I need a savior. We just didn't say, oh God, just come into my heart, make me brand new. No, yeah, it starts there. But what you did is you committed your life to Jesus. Everything about you, your goods and your bads, your awesomes and your struggles, everything that you are, you submitted that to Jesus and you said, it's not I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me now. Right, that's what happens when we get saved. But here's what really happens. You take on the same form. You die. And then you resurrect. The Bible says that old things have become new again. Everything in your life has become new again. And the Bible says this, that it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. On that third day when he was really dead, the same spirit that raised him from the dead now lives and finds its residence in you, in you, in you, in you. 
You're not that sinner anymore. No, you are saved and you're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You are filled with the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You are redeemed. So let me tell you, to everyone who believes in Jesus as your savior this morning, stop allowing the enemy to lie to you that you always be what you've always been. We just allow the devil to whisper into our ear every single time. Every time that temptation comes our way, every time that struggle pops his little head up, every time the enemy comes and knocks on your door, guess what? I know who else is knocking on your door and his knock is a lot louder than the enemy's knock. And all he's saying is, come on, let me just come in and be with you. Come on, don't succumb to this temptation. Don't succumb to this thing. You're better than that. Come on, let me just come be with you. You are set free. You've been purchased by a sacrifice. You are not the sinner dealing with the thoughts and the things in your heart that have kept you captive in the past. Your past is redeemed. He bought you back. Amen? You are redeemed. The last and final thing. Andrew, if you can come up and play a little bit wherever you're at. Thank you. So you're created. You are redeemed. And who are you? Ask somebody that. Who are you? Who are you? Well, you are the resting place of Jesus. You're the resting place of his presence. I don't have a lot of time to unpack everything about this. You know, you can only preach so much in a message. I mean, if you got three, four hours, I'm here for you. <laughs> but you're a resting place of his presence. You see, because you are his creation, because you are redeemed, you have the power of the Holy Spirit upon your life to shift atmospheres and environments everywhere you go. Who are you? Not only are you created, hallelujah, praise God. You're here on purpose for a purpose. Not only are you redeemed, but no, you are the carrier of God's presence. When you walk into a room, when you walk into places, you literally have the power, not because of anything you've done, not because of anything, your works is righteousness or filthy rags according to the scripture. Right? I'm not saying that they're not important. I'm just saying if you rely on those to get you somewhere, you're gonna, you're gonna quickly burn out on Christianity because it's all about the grace of him who lives in you. But when you walk into a room, literally environments shift. They shift because of who you carry, because of his resting upon your life. See, this is what it means to be his, that you are a representation of his image to the world that we live in every day. You are a representation of his image to the world that we live in every day. Every day, your world your world is much different than my world. Your world is much different than my world. My world, I come to work here and work in an office. I'm around Christians all the time. Sometimes, you know, I want to be not around them. If I'm being real honest with you, right? But I'm around them all the time. But your world is much different than my world. 
But even the differences in our worlds, I still have to be a representation of who Christ is to the world that we live in every day. Your world might be different. You might go to a school where there's constant bickering, arguing, complaining about mandate, not mandate, mask, not mask. Whatever the case is, my question to you is, I don't care about any of that junk. My question to you is, what are you doing to shift the environment? Because what you carry will shift the environment. And you literally are a resting place, a container for his presence. See, when Jesus was baptized in John chapter four, when he was, I think it was John chapter four. Let's just say it is. Heresy. It is? Thanks, Tracy, my scholar. You just read it? Okay, cool, thanks. Dodge that bullet. So here's Jesus, he's getting baptized by John. And I love this story because we, you know, most, most Christians look and say, oh, Jesus got baptized, that's sweet. No, listen, a few things happened on that day. Jesus got baptized and when he came out of the water, the Bible says that the heavens opened up. Now, most of us would like to picture the heavens opening up as, you know, little cherubim flying around on clouds and The reality is this, that phrase, the heavens open, literally means that the heavens tore open. Just like the veil tore from top to bottom on the day when Jesus Christ was crucified, the same exact verbiage where it says that the heavens tore open and something happened on that day. What does the Bible say? When Jesus was baptized, a dove, as a representation of the Holy Spirit, came and rested upon Jesus' shoulder. You've heard me say this quite frequently. The Holy Spirit is in me for my benefit. He is upon me for yours. And it's the same thing that you can confidently say about yourself that the Holy Spirit is inside of you for your benefit, to resist temptation, to continue the relationship with God, but he is upon you to shift the environment, to change the culture, to transform the lives of the people around you. See, Jesus had the dove on his shoulder. And if I were to walk down these steps with the dove on my shoulder, how would I walk down those steps while I walk down very carefully. I would always have the dove in mind if I wanted the dove to remain upon me. And so Jesus walked with the dove in mind all the time. The Holy Spirit was upon him to go and produce the kingdom of God everywhere that he walked. See, you've been designed as a resting place for this spirit of God so that literally you can change every environment that you walk into. It may not happen right off the bat. It may not happen a week from now. It may not happen two weeks from now, but I guarantee it. 
that you walk in there with a dove in mind, things are gonna start shifting. Things are gonna start happening. Things are gonna start taking place. The Bible puts it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 15. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are, someone say we are. Say this, I am, for I am the fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Who are you? You're the fragrance of heaven to the world around you. You're the fragrance of Jesus. You are the aroma of Christ to every person, every environment. That's why I think the church this year, we're gonna see our best days yet. Not because of anything we do, not because we've got great worship, not because we've got flashy lights. Who cares about any of that stuff? Who cares? Who gives a rip about any of that junk? All that matters is this, is that you and I learn who we are in Christ and walk into the environments where we're at and see God begin to work. Because we are, you are, I am the fragrance of heaven to the world that we live in every day. So you're created, amen? You're redeemed and you're a carrier of his presence. So as we think about identity, it's not about necessarily confusion. It's about really learning and letting God dive deep into your heart about the revelation of who he really, how he really sees you. Not even about how I see myself. How he sees you, he sees you as his created beloved. He sees you as redeemed. And he sees you as the fragrance of who he is in this earth. That's how he sees you. Ha, <laughs> so good. You see, on purpose, for purpose, that's who you are. Redeemed. Not just to go to heaven. Oh, but thank God we get to go to heaven. There's a, there's a place being prepared for you, for those who believe. It's a promise from heaven. It's a promise from God. It says, I'm preparing a place for you. I can't wait to go to heaven. But here's the cool thing is that I don't have to be. I don't have to wait. Because God's prayer is on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> Look, I'm not going to be weird with you right now, but something just happened in the room right now. I don't know if you can tell or not, but I can. So. And I'm talking. Let's just bow our head and let's just close our eyes. And 
for the next few moments, literally next two or three minutes. This isn't, isn't a time for us to talk or get up and go to the bathroom or nothing like that. This is a time for you to really let God pierce your heart of how he really sees you. Who are you? Who are you? You're knitted. You're carefully crafted by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Who are you? You're redeemed. What the enemy tried to steal, Jesus says, mm-mm. I got that back on the day of salvation when I died and rose again from the third day. Who are you? You are the presence carrier of heaven, the sweet aroma of who Jesus Christ is to the world that we live in every day. I don't care how old or how young you are. If you're first quarter saints or fourth quarter saints, no matter what, you're still in the game. That's all that matters. Ha. Father, right now in your name, Jesus, in the powerful, indescribable name of Jesus Christ, I just ask you that in every one of our hearts, Father, you will put in our hearts, Lord Jesus, who we really are in you. God, let this revelation, Father, never get old, but let it continue to mature and continue to grow and continue, Father, to, 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 uh, sp to sprout up, Father, into full-fledged maturity in our hearts because we cannot live another year not knowing who we are. It can't happen anymore, Jesus. We need to know who we really are. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know who Jesus Christ is, Maybe you've never really committed your life to him, or maybe you have, but you know lately your life really hasn't been, 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 been with Jesus. <laughs> you know that you've been living short-sighted. You know, the, the Bible says that all of us are sinning, falling short of the glory of God. Maybe that's happened. And you're like, you know what, Pastor? Today, I wanna just give my life to Jesus. I wanna recommit everything that I am to him. I wanna submit my life because I know that lately I have felt purposeless. I felt like I have no meaning. I have felt that, that, that when I walk, I'm just here taking up space. I'm here to tell you right now that he wants to heal your heart. If that's you and you're like, Pastor, you know what, man? Pray for me right now. Just lift your hand real quick and put it right back down. If that's you. There's one. Anybody else? Says That's me, Pastor. Pray for me. There's two. Thanks. Anybody else? Says that's me. 
Come on, now's the time to be honest, folks. There's three, thanks so much for your hand, I see it. Anybody else, thanks, I see your hand back there. Thank you so much. Thank you, I see it, thank you so much. Thanks so much, I see your hand, thank you. Oh, ha. The coolest thing about Jesus is that you don't have to be perfect to come to him. That's the greatest thing. Unlike any other God in this whole entire world, they expect something from you. No, Jesus says, come as you are. (laughs) Cast all your burdens on me because I care for you. Hey, hey. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we go ahead and stand, everybody, especially if you raise your hand this morning. I'm gonna ask you to take one more step and do something. It might be a little uncomfortable. I might have my prayer team, my ministry team, come to these prayer banners here to the right and to the left of me. If you're on the prayer ministry team, you know exactly who you are. Come and pray. Uh, Come and just line up right here on either side. Okay, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna say amen. And when I say amen, if you raise your hand, do not leave. Don't leave today without going up to somebody at one of these banners on either side, these red banners on the side. We wanna pray with you. We wanna connect with you. We wanna get you from point A to point B. We wanna work with you. So I'm gonna lead you into a prayer. It's a guided prayer. And that's all it does is just guide you. If you don't know how to pray, I'm gonna help you pray. But my prayer and what I'm about to say doesn't mean anything unless you mean it here in your life and your heart. So if you can, everyone together, please, out loud. If you've said this prayer or not, it doesn't matter. Everyone together. If you could pray this with me, say, Jesus, forgive me my sin. I recognize that I need you more than ever. So today, I'm committing all of my life to you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It's all yours. I love you, Jesus. Thanks for loving me. So here I am, all yours. Amen.